You ready to hear the word this morning? I'm ready to bring it. I want to bring another lesson from the willow tree today. Those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, I don't know, you have that picture, the, the first picture of the willow tree, the original one? Uh, so I'll kind of just do a quick review, should show up here soon. Uh, in my front yard stands a willow tree. And uh, of course, Diane and I have just moved uh, to Diane's mom's house. We live on the lake now, and it's a different rhythm of life and different view every morning. I mean, it's just, we're still figuring out that rhythm, you know? How's life work on the lake? You know, it's just kind of weird to get up in the morning and put on your bathing suit and have it on all day long, but <laughs> I'm adapting. It's a, it's a difficult thing, but I'm trying, I'm trying, I am trying to adapt. Somebody's got to suffer for Jesus, right? Uh, but uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was I just had a hard time all week finding the message. And literally on a Saturday morning, I'm standing in front of the window and I look out the window and I'm actually saying, God, I'm, it's tomorrow Sunday. Come on, give me a word. And he put my heart right in the middle of that willow tree. And if you'll remember, I did a message about gnarly dead branches. Talked about the dead things that are in our life. But there was multiple lessons that I saw there in that brief moment as I looked out at that tree. It wasn't just the gnarly dead limbs, but it was also the fact that, you know, willow trees by and large are just beautiful, beautiful trees, but messy. A lot like people, right? And but within that beauty, within that majesty, I even wrote, they, they're just kind of regal trees were these dead limbs hidden up inside of the tree. You had to really look close to see them. You might be able to see them now in this picture, but you're really going to have to look close to see more than one gnarly dead lamb in there. And immediately, I didn't need the Lord to give me some revelation of what the illustration meant. Uh, he said, Rick, what are you going to do about the gnarly dead limbs in your life? Because to me, you're beautiful and you're regal, and you're majestic, but you got gnarly dead stuff. And I went, okay, thank you so much. Let's find another message for tomorrow. <laughs> but I began to notice a number of things. You know, I saw that the tree was beautiful, majestic, regal, uh, again, about the gnarly dead limbs. Um, I also noted that there was some growth that hung low. I think you might be able to put that other picture up. I took another picture yesterday because this is where I'm going to go today. There was some growth that hung low. Yeah, there. So it's still beautiful, but I want to see that section of the lake. And I can't. And so, uh, you know, I've tried to figure out how to cut it, but yeah, I don't know how to climb a tree, Steve Zucker. But anyway... Anyway, there was some growth that hung low, but the thing that I noticed was that it was hanging low, but it was attached to the tree up high. It was going to be dangerous to clear that thing that was blocking my vision. I don't know if you can see it. There's actually a very low spot. There's a, a, two knots, the one on the bottom and then the next one. If you'll see some, there's a little bit of growth coming out of that next one. I actually cut that one off, and within days, it quadrupled and began to grow again. And I, So the Lord said, you know... When you got stuff that's standing in your sight, you got to get that stuff out of the way, and you might have to go back and get it out of the way again. And all this happened in just a few brief moments as I was looking out the window. And like I said, I had 
previously trimmed it off. Um, the other limbs that needed to be trimmed were dangerous to trim, which kind of said to me, you might have to risk something to eliminate something in your life that's blocking your view. Of course, in doing a little bit of research, we found out that the roots of a willow tree, they, 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 they don't go deep. They go shallow, but they grow wide. In fact, they can grow as wide in their, wood in their root structure as the canopy of the tree is. So that's pretty interesting. But they don't go, grow deep at all. And so today, I want to talk about vision blockers, things in your life that get in the way of you seeing clearly. And I know, without a shadow of a doubt, there are folks here today, you've got some stuff going on in your life, whatever that may be, that's obscuring your vision. Whether it's because you're having to react on emotions or you're having to react because of finances or whatever it may be, it becomes difficult to see clearly down the road. And so the things that block our vision, they have to be cleared. And I don't know if we'll ever get those low-hanging limbs off or not. I feel like I ought to get some kind of special tool that'll just give it an upside-down crew cut at lake level. But anyway, it still is still beautiful, which says something about the things that are blocking your vision. They may actually be good things but they're distractions to what you're actually supposed to be looking at. So there's so many lessons in this tree that uh, I expect there'll probably be more. So I, I sat down this weekend because I knew that uh, vision blockers was what I needed to talk about today. So I began to, I just made a list. I'm a list guy. And so I made a list of different things that could block your vision, my vision, or even things that were blocking my vision. Um, Confusion. Confusion can be a, a, a vision blocker. Anybody ever been confused about what to do next? Sure. Uh, I wear glasses, and I don't like dirty, smudged glasses because they don't necessarily block my vision, but they distort my vision. I get a kick out when I see Declan or Liam. You know, they got their glasses on, and I'll look at them. You can't even see their eyeballs because there's so much dirt. <laughs> And I'm like, come here, let me clean those glasses, and we'll clean them and go, oh my gosh, I can see. So, you know, smudged glasses. Um, and so all of those things kind of have a spiritual connotation when I think about them. How about circumstances? Circumstances you may be in might cause you to focus no further than the end of that circumstance, maybe even only to the middle of that circumstance. Oh, here's one, unforgiveness. Boy, there's a vision blocker if I ever saw one, no pun intended. And then, uh, of course, other people. That's right. Other people can be vision blockers, things that block your vision. I, there were three that captured my heart this week as I finally sat down to write the message. I've been thinking about it for a couple of weeks, and so it only took me a few minutes literally to write all my thoughts down. But the first one I want to talk about that is actually one of the vision blockers that I have to deal with quite on, a, on a regular basis, and that's your past. Your past can be a huge vision blocker. You know, the, the past is like using your rearview mirror in the car. That's what was. That's what's behind you. And how many know it's good to glance back every now and again to see what's going? But uh, uh, how many know that uh, you'll miss a whole lot? on what you might see and hit a whole lot that you don't want to hit if you're just driving looking in the rearview mirror. Uh, 
you can't go forward into the things that God has for you, or even the things you hope and expect for yourself if you're constantly looking in the rearview mirror of your past. And as I said, again, there's nothing wrong with you know, giving that brief glance back. And why give a brief glance back now that you've been redeemed and become a new creation is so you can also recognize and remember all the times God rescued you along the path. Amen? And so that is important. And I read this statement, you know, have you ever wondered why the windshield is so much bigger than the rearview mirror? Well, where you're heading is much more important than where you've been. That's why. And so the enemy, you know, I have a, I have a difficult past, childhood, drug addiction. I mean, you go over the, the dirty laundry list, most of you all have heard my testimony. But there's a whole lot that the enemy wants to throw up into my rearview mirror and get me to look at and get me to focus on it. And here's the deal. The more you focus on the rearview mirror of your past, it gets bigger than the windshield. And then the next thing, you know, you can't see clearly to where you're heading and what you're doing. And I don't know about any of you all who've ever dealt with depression, and especially from abuse or other things from the past, but that can be a, 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 a spiral down real fast, right? The more you begin to focus on those things. And yes, there are lessons to be learned from the past. I mean, we're pretty much numbskulls if we don't learn our lessons from the past. So there's things to be learned. But unfortunately, most people don't see their past as a, as a rudder that will give them direction in the future, but they only see their past as an anchor that holds them back. I choose to allow the past that I've experienced for God to be able to use that in my life to give me a rudder for direction in the future and not for an anchor to hold me back in the past. Can somebody say amen? amen. And so I know I'm speaking to a lot of different people here, and I'm sharing a, you know, a lot about myself in that process, but... I think it's good for you all to know that, we, that none of us have arrived, right? That we're all still, as my wife often says, we are all still here in church, in the body of Christ, in various stages of disrepair. There's none of us here that are perfect, right? Not at all, not a one of us. And so we all got stuff that needs fixing. Well, one or two of you, maybe the rest of you are just all holy today, you know. We all got stuff that needs fixing. Uh, so I choose not to let my past be an anchor. May it be a rudder, something that gives me direction for the next adventure and not an anchor that holds me back in those horrible places. Okay? And the enemy, is the, he's known as the accuser of the brethren. The accuser is not just an accuser that calls you a name, but also tries to remind you that what you were then is actually who you are right now, and you're just faking it. Uh-uh. That's an anchor. And I said, no way, man. I'm cutting the tether on that, on that anchor. Can I get a witness from somebody that'll say, I'm cutting the tether on that anchor, and I'm moving forward into the things that God has for me in my life. I'm not going to look back there with any fondness or look back there to, with any time, per se, so that now the rearview mirror is bigger than the windshield because I'm more interested in where God has taken me than where I have been. Can I get a witness? So I look back not to see where I've been, but to look back to say, God saved me there. He rescued me there. He showed up on the scene there. He brought me through right there, and I can praise God. Amen? And I know I'm not alone in this. 
Philippians 3.13, the Apostle Paul said, I do not count myself to have apprehended, or he's basically saying what I just said. I haven't arrived. But one thing I do, and I think it's interesting that the Apostle Paul, who was the author of two-thirds of the New Testament, who had lots to say, brought it down as it related to himself and his past. This one thing I do. He didn't give us a bullet point list of 17 things to do. This one thing I do. Forget those things that are behind and reach forward to those things which are ahead. There's a whole bunch of you in this place today ought to be saying, this one thing I'm going to do. And it's up to you and me to forget those things that lie behind and to take every thought captive that exalts itself above the knowledge of God and bring it into captivity to the Word of God. That's my responsibility as a human being, and that's your responsibility as a child of God as well. Because, you know, it is an unfortunate thing that when we got saved, he didn't pull the memory bank and the hard drive from us and just give us a brand new hard drive so we didn't remember any of that stuff. That's not the case. He renews us spiritually, but we still have to renew our minds and renew our spirit. And a part of that mind renewal process, folks, is every, and you got to do it more than once. This one thing I do today, I forget yesterday. And then tomorrow morning when I wake up and the enemy wants to remind me of something back when I was three, even tomorrow I go, well, this one thing I do today, I forget that, and I'm pressing forward to why God called me in the first place. So this isn't a one-time deal for you to quit looking in the rearview mirror. It should be a regular thing because the, the only thing the enemy can do to any of us is plant thoughts, ideas, and suggestions in our brain. It's, it's the only power he has. Plant that thought. Plant that idea. Plant that suggestion. Then it's up to us as to what we do with those things. Right on? And so all of us have a past that is hard to let go of. I understand that, but we must do it. By hanging on to those dark, negative seasons in your past, it will block your vision for the possibility of something brighter tomorrow. I mean, I can stay back there uh, and wallow in that horrible, negative place like many people do. And I know for some people, familiarity of where you're at is the most comfortable place to be. So, you know, if all you've ever dealt with is depression and dark thoughts, it's scary to no longer have depression and dark thoughts because that's where you're comfortable being. But we got to get out of that. We got to move to a new place in Jesus. Amen? So we got to get rid of the vision blockers and especially the vision blocker of your past, of your past. So don't allow the enemy to steal your tomorrow by holding you back in your yesterday. Don't do it. Just choose not to. And, and you can make that happen. I know, I'm a, I'm a living witness. I'm a living witness. I, I think I shared with you a week or so ago, I can't remember exactly when, that as we were going through some papers and stuff at, at the house, Diane found a, a satchel that had old uh, pictures of my mom and old pictures of my dad and letter that I wrote to my mom and hope and I'm like oh my god what am I and I mean I just took a dive emotionally but I immediately recognized what was taking place and I went the enemy is going to use 
this anchor from the past just tried to stop me up right here. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not doing that. Not doing that. So we have to go beyond it. Right on? And when we do, y'all know, this is a beautiful thing. The Holy Spirit is, is not just the comforter and the power and the revealer. He is the helper. And he will help. Once I make a decision, I can't stay there then the Holy Spirit begins to help me not stay there. But I have to make that decision that I'm not going to stay there, right? And we each do. I was talking to a family member this week that came to visit with us, and uh, my sister's had a very difficult time over the years dealing with uh, the, the stuff that we dealt with as kids. And I just said to her, and we're the oldest. Um, she's 63, I'm 65. And I said to her, I said, you know what, sis? You and I are the oldest now. We, we have to set the example and begin to change things for the younger, for the younger siblings, for the younger family members. It's going to be our example. And I just looked at her and I said, you can do, you can do this. And we can, amen, by the power and the help of the Holy Spirit. So we got it. We can't, we got to cut that vision blocker of the past out of our way so we can see clearly to a better tomorrow. Can you say amen? amen. The next thing is circumstances. Your circumstance, circumstances, certain situations and crises that you find yourself in can block your vision because they can become so big that it's just crazy. A couple of years ago, a few years ago now, Diane had decided that she wanted to go to, it wasn't a flea market, but it was a big market, antique flea, just a great big thing in New York, okay? And uh, I'm like... <laughs> Let's just go to the one, the yard sale down around the block, you know. <laughs> no, we want to go to New York, and we're going to take the camper, and we're going to, and we're going to stay for a week or two, you know. And I'm just thinking, Lord, you got to help me. I'm going to a flea market for a week or two, you know, a thousand miles away. And uh, so we went. I'm giving her a hard time right now, but um, we we went, and I'll go ahead and give her another hard time because we went one day, and then she decided she's seen enough. So where are we going now? We're going to Maine. Just point the car. We're going to Maine. So anyway, <laughs> she's nodding. So it's, it's pretty much, it was a great vacation. Well, when we pulled into New York, it, the, the, I can't remember the name of the town, but it was... Uh, Woodstock. It was Woodstock. Right? Uh, was the town called Woodstock? Yeah. yeah, the town was called Woodstock. The reason it threw me is because Woodstock didn't actually happen there. It happened a few miles from there. But Woodstock was like a tourist town hippie place. It was pretty cool, right? And uh, I mean, it was one of the coolest things in the world to see old guys my age with long white hair and bell bottoms still walking around. <laughs> you know, you know. So people, some people never moved on from that date, but anchored in the past, right? So it was raining. It was mountains there in New York. We're pulling the camper. It was dark and it was just the, 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 the glare off the window, and we come through Woodstock, and it was just like little road, and we didn't even know where we were going, really, and it's dark. We couldn't hardly see anything past the nose of the truck. It was just, it wasn't terrifying, but it was just like, oh my word. And we didn't even realize what an oh my word it was until we went back in town the next day. And we're like, oh my word, we made it through here and didn't hit anything. <laughs> so, you know, your circumstances, that was a circumstance that was like, whew, 
It was kind of freaky. Remember that night? That was pretty freaky. And we were both hyper-focused on seeing everything that we could possibly see. And sometimes when, it's, when your vision is blurred, you have to get hyper-focused. You can't just be lollygagging along like you normally do. You might have to d- dial up the focus meter a little bit so you can see better. And so we've all experienced times when we can't see clearly and when the circumstances and situations that we find ourselves in cause us to become hyper-focused. But you know hyper-focus can also be a vision blocker because then you have no peripheral. You're just t- tunnel vision. This kind of happened uh, to Peter Uh, Turn your Bible with me real quick to Matthew chapter 14. Let's read a couple of passages of Scripture. You know, Peter walked on the water. Um, He had hyper-focus and then lost it. And uh, that was not a good thing. So I'm going to read verses 22 through 33. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. And while he sent the crowds away, after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage! It's it's just me! Don't be afraid! Verse 28, Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come! And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, He became frightened. Seeing his circumstances, he became frightened. Seeing the trouble that was all around him, he began to freak out. Seeing the wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, took hold of him, and said to him, You have little faith, why did you doubt? Of course, when he got in the boat, the storm stopped, but... His focus shifted from Jesus, the only answer, to his problems, his situation, his circumstance. And once his focus changed from keeping his eyes on the Lord Jesus and his focus became what was happening in his peripheral, then he began to sink. This is the great lesson of this story. That when we're in trying situations, difficult circumstances, I mean situations in life that it just looks like there's no way out, the best thing you and I can do is to look at Jesus and guess what? Keep on looking at Jesus. Keep on doing it. Don't give up. When the storm is tumultuous, keep your nose in the book, your knees bent to heaven, and your body in the house of God. Amen? Keep looking at Jesus. So don't let... Just a quick summary, and I only have one more point. Don't let your past rob you of your future. And you've got to make a decision to do that. And I, I really am sorry to tell you that sometimes maybe you have to make that decision every day. But you still got to make that decision, right? And don't let your circumstances block your vision. The lesson of that is look to Jesus and just keep on looking at Jesus. Keep on looking at Jesus. 
The last thing that I want to talk to you about today is unforgiveness. It's a huge vision blocker, y'all. So your, your, you know, your, your past, whoo, circumstances, situations, yikes. But then there's that other gnarly limb, unforgiveness. Oh, I know that nobody has any unforgiveness gnarly limbs in their willow tree life here at Resurrection Life Church because it's a perfect church after all. No, we're all in various stages of disrepair, and we all got some unforgiveness that we're dealing with. I I know that to be true. As much as I believe that I've forgiven my mother, that I've forgiven my father, that that I've forgiven this or forgiven that, those things still come back and try to disrupt my life, and I have to revisit that moment of forgiveness. Okay? So I can't let the enemy. So every one of us have been hurt by somebody. You know, there was that old song by Dean Martin, Everybody loves somebody sometime. Yeah. I know I have weird thoughts when I'm looking at the willow tree. Everybody hurts somebody sometime. It's true. We've all been hurt by somebody. I don't think there, there, there's no possible way that there's a, there's a living human being in this room right now who has never experienced hurt by somebody else. We've all experienced. We find ourselves dealing with betrayal, dealing with abandonment, uh, and then we find ourselves holding someone else responsible. Or maybe we hold ourselves responsible And not only do we not forgive another person, but we don't forgive ourselves. See, unforgiveness works both ways. So maybe I can forget those in my past who have hurt me, but don't forgive myself for having hurt others in my past. Unforgiveness is choosing to stay trapped in a jail cell. And that jail cell is called bitterness. And you're serving time for somebody else's crime. Somebody else did the crime, but you're the one that has imprisoned your own heart, your own mind. The heaviest and most burdensome thing that any of us can carry in life is to hold a grudge, is to carry a grudge. It, 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 it accomplishes absolutely nothing. Nothing. Jesus made the issue of unforgiveness pretty clear in Matthew chapter 6 verses 14 through 15, where he said this, and this is pretty straightforward from our Savior, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's a really hard text to reconcile. But I don't think you have to get a a Greek lexicon out and go to the seminary to try to discover what Jesus is saying there. He's saying, you forgive others, you'll be forgiven. In other words, you will experience that freedom. But when you hold unforgiveness in your heart, then you will experience that bondage to that unforgiveness. It's been said this, and I, I read this this week, that bitterness is believing God got it wrong. Worry is believing God will not get it right. And unforgiveness is believing you're right even after God said you're wrong. I'll say that again. That's worth repeating. Bitterness is believing God got it wrong. Worry is believing God will not get it right. And unforgiveness is believing that you're right, even though God has told you you're wrong. 
And that's where we get stuck. Unforgiveness is one of the worst vision blockers in life. Absolutely. And because what unforgiveness does is that it grows. It grows into a thing called the, the root of bitterness. Unforgiveness grows into the root of bitterness. I have to pluck that root up every now and again. Whether it's you know, against my mom or my dad or whoever in my past that abused me as a child, etc., etc. I have to you know, dig that root out every now and again. It's like that willow tree, right? Uh, as Steve told me today, you know, you can take, you cut off a twig from a willow tree, stick it in the ground, it grows another willow tree, you know. It'll start rooting right now. And so, I don't know about you, but I don't want this bitterness because it's like a, poise, a poison to the soul, that part of our emotions, that part of our will, that part of who we are. It becomes a poison to us. How many know poison kills? It debilitates it hurts horribly. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 through 15. Strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many become defiled. So not, not only do I poison myself when I hold on to bitterness, but I potentially infect, infect you and affect you as well and others in my life because of that bitterness. So when you hold on to anger, and we've all got something that we, if you look at your past long enough, you can go, well, I have a right to feel angry, right? Or you can look at your bitterness and go, well, I, yeah, I realize it's grown into bitterness, but you just don't know what I've gone through and God doesn't understand or whatever. And then unforgiveness. But if you hold on to that, you can never move forward. You'll never take another step forward. You'll be stuck there your whole life. You know, it, it reminds me of this last, this last weekend, my brother-in-law and sister came and we went tubing. And it was a lot of fun. And I hadn't gotten to go tubing yet because I'm driving. And I haven't really trusted anybody else to drive my boat yet, so I'm working on that. And, but anyway, I really wanted to go tubing because I was watching everybody have such a blast, and I'm just, I'm driving. And I said, I want to go. And David said, well, I'll drive. And I went, okay. So David got on. And we went tubing, and it was a blast, and I had just had a great time. But I had this weird physical sensation when I got off the tube and got back in the boat. I had this weird feeling of inertia that was still pulling me forward. Even in the boat, I got in on, on the hull and I walked all the way to the bow because <laughs> this, this thing was pushing me to that place. And so, you know, if you stay long enough in your junk, you will have no inertia to move forward to the next thing that God has for you. So change the dynamic. Praise God. So in summary, and then I'll close and send you home, don't let your past rob you of your future. Come on, y'all. God's not going to wipe the past memories away. They'll always be in our psyche. That's an unfortunate turn of events, but it is just what it is, right? That's why we have to constantly be renewing our mind, why the Apostle Paul said, I die daily, why we keep our nose in the book, our knees bent to heaven and our body in the house of God. So don't let your past rob you of tomorrow. The next thing, don't let your circumstances block your, block your vision. Look to Jesus. 
And for just an instant, don't be like Peter. Don't let the circumstances and the situation and the storm distract your attention. Keep your focus on Jesus. He's the one that can pull you through it. And then don't allow unforgiveness to be a, a vision blocker. Uh, and, and we've all got reasons to... None of us have a right to be unforgiving. But we probably all have what we believe are reasons to not forgive. Get over it. Get over it. I said, to my sis, said that to my sister. And I was able to do that for the very first time. I don't know if you experienced it as well, Connie. I mean, Diane. That, that I was able to, my sister across the table, to say to her, you know, it's time that you and I as the elders in this family get over it. And she didn't take offense at that. She was receiving counsel from her big brother. Y'all, I know that's the last thing you want to hear, right? Get over it. Just, okay, look at your neighbor and just say, would you get over it? Look, look at your second choice, the other neighbor, and say, you too, get over it. <laughs> I'm just trying to bring real life to you all. I could get up here and, you know, preach high-end Pentecostal-style messages that, you know, spit and holler and pound and... <laughs> um, just want to bring real life to you. So I would suggest that we, if you don't get over it, um, this unforgiveness will grow into a poison in your life, and you'll drink it hoping somebody else dies from it. And you're the only one who haven't, you've, you've imprisoned yourself. So why not be free? Let go of it. Let's join forces together today to against the enemy by removing the obstacles in our life. And there's multiple other obstacles that I saw from this tree I brought to you today, three of them, but we can do it. Matthew, as I close, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Heavy laden, burdened, burdened down. Oh, y'all, man, the past is such a burden sometimes, you know? If, if you're, here, you're here today and maybe you experienced abuse, serious abuse as a child, as I had, you know, that can still be a burden in life today. And I have to remind myself, thankfully, through the power of the Holy Spirit, who reminds me as well, Rick, get your eyes off of that and get it back on Jesus and just lay those burdens right there because he says, cast all your cares on me, Right? And so, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give you peace. I'll give you a sense of satisfaction in your own life and your own heart so you can move past those things. Take my yoke upon you. In other words, be connected to me and learn from me. I don't want to learn from the old Rick or the people in old Rick's life. I need to learn from Christ today. And maybe tomorrow it'll be a brand new set of lessons that I need to learn. But I need to learn them and i got to be willing student of the Lord Jesus Christ to keep my eyes on him and not take them off. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly of heart and you will find rest for your souls. The souls here, this isn't talking about the spirit man or woman. This word soul is talking about your emotions. 
your will, uh, your cognitive abilities, your, your rational abil- abilities, your way of thinking. I don't know about you, but I constantly need a reboot on my stinking thinking. Uh, rest of you all just way holier than that? Or? Okay? And so here he says, I w- you'll find rest for your soul, your inner being, if you just come to me. Or you can run to your past because you think that's some comfort and it'll only cause unrest in your soul, right? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As I was writing this message, there was one song on my mind. I could not, I I thought about playing it, but I'm not going to play it or sing it. Uh, I'm just going to read the lyrics and then we're going to get ready to go home for the day. I can see clearly now, the rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. It's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. Oh, yes, I can make it now. The pain is gone. I bet y'all didn't know this was actually a Holy Ghost Pentecostal song, did you? All the bad feelings have disappeared. Here's that rainbow I've been praying for. It's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. Look Look all around. There's nothing but blue skies. Look straight ahead. There's nothing but blue skies. Give the Lord a praise in the house of God. Hallelujah. I hope that you have been blessed and built up by that. And, um, and that song will be stuck in your head for the rest of the day. And there's, a, there's another reason it'll be stuck in your head, because here in just a minute, y'all actually going to hear it by Johnny Nash himself. Amen? Uh, let me pray over you today, and then I'm going to have Bill and Lynette come up and dismiss us. Father, thank you. For this word today. At least right now, Lord, as grateful as I am that you've placed Diane and I where we're at, I'm so thankful for that willow tree in my front yard because you are teaching me so much from that crazy tree. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help me collate and, 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 and understand that information so I can pass it on to your beloved people here at the church. So they, can too, so they too can make their own journey to find peace in their soul. You're the one. You are the one. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you need prayer today for a situation or circumstance in your life, I want to pray with you. Or if you are struggling with your past, where it just is like a dark spiral. I want to pray with you. Or if you've never accepted Jesus into your heart and you don't know what to look at, then look too. I want to pray for you. So simply by the raising of your hand, if you're facing a circumstance or situation that you need prayer for, raise your hand right now and hold it up real high. Okay. All right, I'm going to change this up a little bit. Put your hand down. Stand to your feet. You're facing a situation or circumstance right now. Stand to your feet. 
you're dealing with your past and it has really been a burden, stand to your feet. You need to accept Jesus today. You want to become a Christian today. Maybe you don't understand what that totally means, but we'll help you on that journey. If that's you, stand to your feet today, just so I can pray with you. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, and you want to let that go, stand to your feet, and let me pray with you today. Father, you see all of these that are standing right now. And Lord, you know their story. You know their situation. You know their circumstance. You know their unforgiveness. You know their pain. You know their past. Therefore, you are the only one that can truly help them. And I I pray, Lord, that they will look to you. And then after they've looked to you, continue to look to you, continue to look to you, and not stop looking at you. I pray, Lord God you would see them through this journey in a powerful and a mighty way. Lord, any today that are experiencing that unforgiveness, that bitterness, let them be, let free them from that jail cell today, Lord. Oh, Lord, we thank you so much. Help us to remove those vision blockers from our life. So each of us, as we stand right now, Lord God, you know, the th- you know the situation. They know the situation. I pray that you'll help them through this. In the glorious name of Jesus, amen, amen. Thank you. Have a seat. Give the Lord a praise offering. He's worthy. Hallelujah. <laughs>